This audio is from the Axis Church in Nashville, Tennessee, and is part of our sermon series, Steadfast and Faithful, Experiencing Encouragement from the Psalms. For more information, please visit theaxischurch.org. Well, good morning, Axis Church. My name is Christian, and it's a joy and privilege to be here worshiping Jesus with all of you this morning. Um, I'm one of the men going through our pastoral leadership collective. You may have heard Pastor Jeremy speak of this. As part of that training, uh, we are being taught uh, how to preach and teach the Word of God, which is what brings me here before you this morning. Um, It's a great honor. My wife, Jenna, and I, along with our seven-year-old twins, Ava and Noah, began attending the Axis uh, in February of 2016. We were in the midst of a particularly difficult season in life when God graciously brought us through these doors. And he met us with this warm blanket that is the Axis Church community and family of believers. Um, We've seen God show us such mercy and just rest and healing, worshiping alongside of you all. So thank you, Axis Church, for loving us and for welcoming us in. As you may know, we are in the fifth week of our series entitled Steadfast and Faithful, where we are seeking encouragement through the Psalms, and there is much encouragement to be found there. The Psalms are a particularly unique section of Scripture in that they are a collection of lyrical poems written by multiple authors over the span of many years. The Psalms, first and foremost, are worship. In every imaginable life circumstance, from the highest highs to the lowest lows, the psalmist's response is one of praise and worship to a God that is our refuge, our strength, our shield, our deliverer, and his steadfast love endures forever. The psalms are also prayer. We often think of prayer as something that we do, something that we are in control of, but this is not always the case. Oftentimes, praying is a way of listening. God has already spoken to us. So sometimes our prayer time can best be spent listening to God. It is a deep tradition for the people of God to acquire this basic orientation, this place of attentiveness and listening to God through the Psalms, the great prayer book of the Bible. The Psalms will help us to fight the drift. You might have heard us say that before at the Axis Church There is a very real and strong current in this world that seeks to pull us away from the hope that we have in Christ. And through the Psalms, God is lovingly guiding us and training us to fight the drift, affirming his faithfulness to us in triumph or in tragedy, and reminding us to stay rooted always in his word. This morning, we'll be taking a closer look at Psalm 32. David's psalm of confession and forgiveness. It is a beautiful foreshadowing of the gospel. As Charles Spurgeon would say, wherever you are in scripture, find the scarlet thread and trace it to the cross. Friends, let's remember as we begin this morning that Jesus Christ can be found throughout the whole of scripture, not just the New Testament. There is no better teaching, after all, on this truth than that of our Lord Jesus himself. The opening verses of the Gospel of John set the scene perfectly for us. In the beginning was the Word, Jesus. 
And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was the life, and the life was the light of men. All things were made through him. A few chapters later, speaking to the Jewish people in John 5, verse 39, Jesus says this, You search the scriptures, and here Jesus is referring to the 39 books of the Old Testament. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me. So friends, here we have Jesus himself reminding us that all of scripture ultimately points to him. I find that immensely encouraging, and I hope that you do too. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your kindness to us. You know the heart of every person in this room, and I pray that you will meet us where we are this morning. None of us are here by accident, so speak to us, Lord. Help us to listen. Move my inadequacies out of the way so that your voice may be clearly heard. Help us to find peace and rest in remembering that your mercies are new today and that we can find freedom and forgiveness through your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So friends, we'll be in Psalm 32 today. If you would turn there in your Bibles and read along with me. If you don't have a Bible, you can find one underneath the seats. Um, And if not, they'll be uh, up here on the screen as well. So here we are, Psalm 32, blessed are the forgiven, a mascal of David. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. This is the word of the Lord. So the subtitle for Psalm 32 is Blessed are the forgiven, a mascal of David. The word mascal is thought to mean the giving of instruction. So here we have David instructing the believer that the way to receive forgiveness, God's primary means of mercy to us, is through heartfelt confession and repentance. David was known by many as a man after God's own heart. He was an anointed man, a man called by God to do great things, 
There's no doubt about that. But like you and I, he was also a broken sinner. And he experienced the freedom of forgiveness, causing him to pour out his spirit in this beautiful song. It is by grace that he received this forgiveness and grace by which God uses the experience of David to provide rich instruction to us, guiding our footsteps and comforting us in our weakness. We begin in verse one. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity. We all know what it feels like to be caught, whether it's in a lie or in some form of disobedience. But David wastes no time here bringing good news to the guilty, and that's all of us, and those carrying heavy shame. He begins his song with the word blessed, expressing the joy and the happiness and freedom that can be found in light of God's mercy through forgiveness. Though we know that the Psalms are not laid out necessarily in chronological order, it is interesting to note that this is the second time in the book of Psalms that the writer has begun with the word blessed. The first is in Psalm 1, where, we, where he or she is described as blessed who walks in God's way, seeking holiness and righteousness. However, here in Psalm 32, the word blessed is used to describe the person who has not walked in God's way, has sinned, but has repented of his or her sin, and now knows the joy of restoration. This is the experience of the believer. This is certainly my experience, and this is David's story. But by God's grace, the blessedness of forgiveness described in Psalm 32 will plant in our hearts the desire to live as the person in Psalm 1, increasingly becoming men and women after God's own heart. I love how David uses this gospel language of his sin being covered. He knew from experience that when God covers sin, it is erased as if it never happened. But when we try to cover our own sin, we're merely concealing it or hiding it from God and from others. We see this in Genesis 3, immediately following the fall, when Adam and Eve commit the very first sin against God. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden." Deep down, we can all relate to Adam and Eve here. We all know that our sin separates us from God. We long to be near him, but sometimes the guilt and shame that we feel as a result of our brokenness can cause us to want to run and hide. David gives us a painful illustration of his grieving over sin in verses three and four. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Selah. Whenever we see the word Selah, it is a helpful reminder for us to 
pause and think about what we just read. As a musician, I find it significant that grief had stricken David, the great songwriter of the Bible, with silence. The pain that he is experiencing is not only emotional and spiritual, but it is also physiological, as he describes this feeling of his bones wasting away. He was carrying an unbearable load. You may be familiar with the story of David and Bathsheba, where one day David is taking a leisurely stroll on the roof of his palace when he looks across the way and he sees a beautiful woman bathing. Curious, he sends his servants to find out about her, to inquire about her, and they return to tell him that she is Bathsheba. She's the wife of one of his noble soldiers, Uriah, who is away fighting David's battle. David finds her irresistible, so he sends his servants to have her brought to his palace, where ultimately he would commit adultery with her. There is little doubt at this point that David knew he had committed an awful sin. But instead of turning and choosing to repent and confess his sin before the Lord, David decides to double down on his transgression. Eventually arranging to have Uriah sent to the front lines of this vicious battle where he would likely be killed. His plan worked. Uriah died in battle. He got what he desired. But it wasn't long before David became sick with grief over what he had done. Everything began to unravel. The heavy hand of the Lord was upon him. But in a remarkable act of mercy, in the midst of all this suffering that David had no doubt brought upon himself, God sends the prophet Nathan to expose his transgression. In that moment, David confesses his sin and is immediately restored. This incredible exchange is recorded in 2 Samuel 12, 13. David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. We see here that this lost vitality that David experiences through pain and grief is actually God's mercy in action, bringing him to the point of repentance. It is the heavy hand of a loving father. Perhaps you have experienced something like this. Six years ago, God saved me out of complete darkness. He removed the scales from my eyes and allowed me to see Jesus as my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit brought my dead heart to life, and all of a sudden, this book that had been completely irrelevant for so long became this living and breathing thing, unlike anything I had ever seen. But there was an unexpected twist to the story. In my excitement, as I was poring over the scriptures, trying to take it all in and understand it, something odd began to happen. As I was examining the word, the word began to examine me. God had turned his great searchlight and pointed it directly at me. Scanning the deepest and darkest recesses of my heart, 
exposing the sin and idolatry that had ravaged me for so long. At the time, it was brutal, but now when I look back, all I see is grace. God was painfully and lovingly tearing away the dead skin, making me a new creation. His heavy hand was mercifully upon me, leading me out of darkness and into the light. I think Hebrews 12, 6 through 11 unpacks this beautifully for us. Um, Bear with me, it's a longer passage, but I think it will be helpful in allowing us to understand this more deeply. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. And allow this last verse to really sink in. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. This is such grace. Friends, we are God's children. When he lays his heavy hand upon us, he's helping us come to the point of confession and repentance. Just as David describes in verse five, I acknowledged my sin to you and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. After long lingering in the guilt and shame of his sin, David cries out for mercy. He lays his heart bare before the Lord. He stands weak and broken, deeply convicted and humbly repentant. And God is merciful to him. Listen carefully to the end of verse five. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So not only was the sin itself pardoned, but the iniquity, the weight of sin was lifted. All at once, The sickness of guilt that had been festering inside David's heart, rotting him from the inside out, was cured and taken away. Such mercy. We continue in verse 6. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. So having experienced the forgiveness of God, David turns to others. He wants all of us to experience the joy that he has found as a result of his confession. It's as if he's saying, brothers and sisters, do not be foolish and wait indefinitely. Turn from your sin. Turn to God now before it's too late. Pastor and theologian Charles Spurgeon says it this way. If the psalmist means that on account of God's mercy, others would become hopeful His witness is true. 
Remarkable answers to prayer very much quicken the prayerfulness of other godly persons. Where one man finds a golden nugget, others feel inclined to dig. The benefit of our experience should reconcile us to it. No doubt the case of David has led thousands to seek the Lord with hopeful courage, who without such an instance to cheer them might have died in despair. Friends, let us dig where David has dug and seek the Lord with hopeful courage, because when we do, we will find what David knew to be true, that the Lord is merciful and quick to forgive, that his love is steadfast and faithful. Verse seven, you are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble and you surround me with shouts of deliverance. Selah. David knew that we needed to pause and take a breath here. A love this amazing has to be pondered. A joy this deep demands quiet contemplation. There are, after all, some things that our words just can't fully express. And God's mercy is certainly one of those things. Notice that the same man who in verse 4 was oppressed by the presence of God now finds shelter in him. This is a beautiful picture of what honest confession and full forgiveness will do. It draws us into the Father. One of my favorite songwriters, Andrew Peterson, uh, captures this feeling beautifully when he says, Lord, I fear you, but I long to be near you. David is a man engulfed in this song, surrounded by mercy, proclaiming the triumph of God's grace, making him to be our refuge who otherwise would have been our judge. In an interesting shift, God begins to speak directly through, I'm sorry, to us in verse eight and nine. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. So here the Savior takes the reins as our teacher, instructing us as his children to seek wisdom and understanding. God did not save us out of darkness only that, so that we could return to it, but rather he calls us into the light to walk in humble repentance, to pursue holiness in right response to the mercy that we've been shown. A horse or a mule will carry any rider or any load anywhere for any reason. They would just as easily deliver a man to rob a bank as they would to deliver groceries to an elderly woman. We see the same indifference in the habitual sinner who does not yet know the Lord. This was certainly my story. Whether we sin for pleasure, for profit, for the affections of another, we will go on sinning without regard for the damage and the hurt that we are causing until God in his mercy lays his heavy hand upon us, bridling our hearts, drawing us into confession and repentance, allowing us to experience the sweet freedom of forgiveness that David speaks of. So we end on a celebratory note in verse 10 and 11. 
Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Praise God. Praise God that he has been so merciful to us, that his steadfast love surrounds us when we place our trust in him. Access Church, let us place our trust in him. David knew what it felt like for his sin to be covered. Moreover, he knew that one day a Messiah was coming to strike the finishing blow to sin, crushing the head of the serpent once and for all. 2,000 years ago, the Savior that the people of God had longed for entered into this broken world. Jesus Christ the light of the world, the author of salvation was here. He lived the life of perfect obedience that we could never live. And he died the death that we deserve, absorbing the wrath and punishment for our sins. Friends, we can rejoice and be called righteous because of Christ's work on our behalf. Amen. Second Corinthians 5.21 reads, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ's atonement reconciles us to God. It is the propitiation, the covering, the absorbing of wrath, the making of an end to our sin. As hard as this is to understand this radical gift of grace, when those nails were driven through our Savior's flesh, when his body was brutally nailed to that Roman cross, so too was your sin and my sin. The definitive blow to sin was dealt the moment Jesus uttered the words, it is finished. We often read Romans 6, 4 at a believer's baptism. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Brothers and sisters, in Christ, we are no longer enslaved to sin and death. We have been forgiven. We have been made new. Nearly 500 years ago, Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of a Roman Catholic church in Wittenberg, Germany. This quiet and peaceful protest would eventually explode and mark the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. His first thesis reads this. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he intended that the entire life of believers should be one of repentance. Friends, repentance is turning to Jesus to find what it is we thought could be found elsewhere. When we place our hope in the things of this world, they will fail us. Only in Christ will we find lasting hope and peace and strength. All of us in this room, believers or not, we all fall under one category, sinner. But it doesn't end there, thankfully. Because beneath that, there are two more categories. Those who hide their sin and experience the heavy burden of guilt and shame, and those who find their hiding place in Christ. 
and stand forgiven, made righteous and upright before God. Friends, may we walk daily in repentance and turn to Jesus to find what we thought we could find somewhere else. He is calling us to himself. May God grant us the faith to respond to this invitation. Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Church, you don't have to hide. You don't have to carry the weight of your sin anymore. Jesus has done that for you. Now's the time in our service where we will partake in communion. This is a time of remembrance where we remember Jesus's finished work on our behalf. We will take the bread symbolizing Jesus's broken body, crushed under the heavy hand of God once and for all, as he stood in our place and bore the full weight of God's wrath and judgment so that we can stand forgiven and experience God's heavy hand as merciful and loving. We'll dip, we'll take the bread and dip it in the wine or the juice symbolizing the blood that was poured out for our sins so that we can echo David's words with confidence. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, be with us in our time of remembrance. Help us to look back and see you as faithful from the creation of heaven and earth to the cross, where your son stood in our place so that we can stand free and forgiven. Help us to look back at the events in our own lives that have brought us here this morning and see that you are merciful and good. Lord, be with us in our time of remembrance this morning and help us to place our hope and trust in you moving forward. In Christ's name, amen. This audio is from the Axis Church in Nashville, Tennessee, and is part of our sermon series, Steadfast and Faithful, Experiencing Encouragement from the Psalms. For more information, please visit theaxischurch.org.